You're listening to The Exchange, and here's your host, Dr. Lorraine. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Exchange with Dr. Lorraine. I'm so honored to have my friend Lance Lewis that I came across when I was at Urshan Graduate School and he was at Urshan College. And we are going to be talking today about his testimony and some amazing things that God has done in his life. So, Lance, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my guest on the podcast. It's it's always great to hang out with you and chat with you. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry it took so long to make it happen. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could make it happen. I know this will be worth the wait and our um, listeners will be really blessed by all the things that you have to say today. So I wanted to start out with just an introduction, just telling us where you're from, um, education and your ministry, and then we'll kind of dive into your testimony. Uh, I'm from Southwest Louisiana, uh, about an hour from the Gulf, about an hour from Texas. So uh, from a little town called Sulphur, Louisiana. I didn't grow up in church in, in Pentecost. Uh, my wife, I met my wife uh, at Urshan, actually, and her parents pastor a church here in Matthews, North Carolina, which is uh, really on the outside of Charlotte. And we've been here uh, almost two years, and we base out of their church. We've been evangelizing for about two years now. Uh, I got my Associate of Arts from Urshan College, and I'm a licensed generally licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church. And so we have been traveling a lot, which is why it took so long for us to connect. Mm-hmm. We travel a good bit and and try to help people as much as possible and just go, go, go nonstop all the time. Mm-hmm. And hardly breathe, it seems like sometimes. <laughs> all good stuff. Working for the Lord, working for the Lord. So um, I wanted to just transition into talking about your testimony, because I know you mentioned that you um, were not raised in church. And mm-hmm. so um, just go ahead and just talk to us about what that kind of looked like for you growing up. Yeah. So uh, my parents were married for 26 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was a, a school teacher uh, for almost yeah 30 years. And my father owned a small business when I was growing up. Uh, when I was 11 years old, uh, my mother committed suicide. When I was 14 years old, uh, my dad died of a drug overdose. And it just, there was a lot, you know, at 11 years old and 14 that I really didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, my dad was always on, you know, prescription drugs. It's kind of the pre-opioid epidemic, you know, when before, you know, now it's like we've got a lot of things that are readily available. It's like, you know, 10 years ago, it was still readily available. It was just, you know, different ways to get it. And so I was always on drugs and uh, I really have good memories with with that. But I didn't grow up in church. My whole family is raised Catholic and they still are. And we're all very close. Uh, But they found Tupelo Children's Mansion online. It's actually really funny on Google. And, you know, three or four weeks later, I was at Tupelo Children's Mansion, where I was the oldest boy for about four years until I graduated from there. Uh, I was the oldest boy of, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 boys at a time Mm -hmm. until I left at 18 years old. So I learned a lot about uh, different kids and their backgrounds. And it's actually been kind of a blessing in disguise. And it sounds dumb, but. I've been able to pick up on just a lot of different things in services where we go 
because mm-hmm. of these, you know, things that I've been through with these other kids and talking to them about their lives. And you can spot different things based on, you know, their experiences. And so um, I'm really thankful for Tupelo Children's Mansion. And I always, always try to give back. Uh, my wife and I, we were the full-time youth pastors for Brother Jay Carney mm-hmm. in Tupelo, Mississippi for almost two years. And which gave my wife the opportunity to work at the mansion. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it was such a blessing. You know, we think about the mansion every day. We think about those, those kids and what it is that they have to, you know, endure, not just, you know, in the present, but the things that, you know, may pop up uh, on their past and how to deal with those things. It's definitely been, it's definitely, has definitely make it a matter of prayer. Yeah. Otherwise you just get so consumed by, you know, wanting to help every, every cause and you just wear yourself out <laughs> worrying about every cause, but we try to be as helpful as we could when we were there. And mm-hmm. um, it was such a blessing. So when we, and when we left, it was, it was really hard to leave because we knew that, you know, how much we cared about those kids and we would love to go back one of these days and be as helpful as possible. Mm-hmm. But we've been here, uh, laboring away (laughs) in North Carolina yes ma'am so I wanted to ask you and go back kind of go back to your time at the Tupelo Children's Mansion um so you were there for four years you said I was there for four years almost five so from 20 2011 uh to 2014 2010 or 2011 to 2014 I was 14 years old what was that experience like for you in those four years? (laughs) How long is this podcast? (laughs) I know there's like so many things, but if you could just pick one particular thing you would want to share about your time at the Tupelo Children's Mansion, Mm. whether that be maybe like the best moment or maybe just like a a aha, you know, a moment of understanding or or revelation or something. I received the Holy Ghost at you know Tupelo Children's Mansion brought us to uh TPC Memphis which mm-hmm. is Grace Life now mm-hmm. Grace Point Grace Life um I got the Holy Ghost at which is the Parkies now mm-hmm. you know I was a mansion kid uh the late elder brother Kilgore was preaching and I just remember getting back on the van with the, you know with my mansion family and then them high-fiving me and hugging me and you know I remember feeling just very weightless a lot of burdens had been taken off me but I even remember as you know I was probably 15 I remember as so much burden had left I still had so much I felt like there was so much on my shoulders mm-hmm. that I had just a tremendous even at 15 like I knew I had a responsibility that I was going to have to help that I would be able to help others at some point and uh, I got baptized in Jesus name um, one of the workers there, Brother Brad Laughlin, had baptized me. And I just knew that all the things that the aha moment, I just knew that all the things that I had gone through were, you know, for a purpose, you start seeing things unfold and you start seeing God ordain your steps and open this door and close that door. And even at a, as a, you know, a teenager, you start seeing those things start to line up. And it's just, it's an overwhelming feeling knowing that God cares so much about somebody um even though I thank him daily for all the stuff he put me through you know (laughs) but it's it's very it's a comforting feeling knowing that God such a big God cares about me such a small person 
that that was the aha moment for me is you know god really does care Mm -hmm. about my little situation here and his order in my steps you know Mm -hmm. i think it's an overwhelming feeling to me so i i love that you said that because you know that the, you said you were raised Catholic, but by going to mm-hmm. the children's mansion, that's where you got the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. That's where you got baptized, and so yeah. even though that was like not you know the the situation that you had planned or anybody had planned for your life, you know the right. death of your parents at such a young age and such a traumatic thing that God, you know, in that opportunity and that and that time that the Lord allowed you mm-hmm. to receive His Spirit, be baptized, so. I wanted to talk about too about how you ended up at Urshan College because I know that from there, from the Tubular Children's Mansion, that mm-hmm. that was that's how you and I met. That you ended up at Urshan College. So tell us about how that kind of happened with uh, that uh, Youth Congress. Um, man, Kentucky maybe, uh, Oklahoma City actually. Okay, Oklahoma City Youth Congress. I was just walking around and I just was. I was getting ready to graduate, and I think I just felt, like I said, God, you know, I had the opportunity to stay at the mansion. They have a program when I was growing up there. It was called the STEP program. They would help you get a job and help you form relationships in the community and send you to college and stuff like that, and I was like, wow, that's such a great opportunity. That's that's really great, and I just felt this, this feeling that I needed to go and, and go to urshan i was walking around you know how they have the out all the booths on the outside of of you know the service there mm-hmm. and i just remember coming back and telling my best friend i was like man i think i just need to go to urshan he's like oh i i, th- I think i need to do that too i don't know if you remember roger casmus mm-hmm. but um him and his wife nichelle um go are still in st louis helping at their local church and i remember he met his wife there you know and I remember him being like, man, I, I, we need to go. And we we were roommates for <laughs> the first couple of years. And I remember uh, I left, actually left in the middle of the night. Um, at Urshan. I was so overwhelmed. I had not really gotten, you know, all the help. There goes my dog. <laughs> I had not really gotten all the help that I needed at the mansion as far as education. Mm -hmm. And so I was really far behind, like with writing papers and all kinds of things. I just felt like I was really struggling and I just, I was sinking. Mm -hmm. So I, in the middle of the night, packed all my stuff and I had left. And I remember McClintock calling me. He's like, bro, where are you at? (laughs) The room's (laughs) empty. And I didn't really tell anyone. And I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't running from God. I wasn't, um, I wasn't, you know, doing anything crazy. I was just um, just really in need of direction. So I had gotten up an apartment and a job and was going to Winds of Pentecost, which is now Restoration Church. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, you know, going to church faithfully. I was, you know, trying to, you know, be a good person. And I just wasn't at Urshan anymore. Man, I was, I was miserable because I wasn't in the will of God. Mm-hmm. And... I remember talking to Sister Dinesha and I was like, hey, I, re- I would really love to come back. And she's like, we'd love to, for you to come back. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard because now I was behind everybody that I had come in with. 
uh, there was totally new people and all kinds of stuff, but I knew that I had to go back. I knew that I knew that I had to try again, that if I didn't try again, I would always regret not going back. And it was just such an overwhelming welcome back from all the students that I had been there with previously and the new students that I was coming in with now. They were just really embraced me for who I was and kind of reassured me like, hey, you can just be you and not have to worry about, you know, everything that it is that you struggled with the first time. Like, we're here for you. We'll help you. And it was just a totally different, a totally different atmosphere the second time around. I felt much more peaceful about it. And my time at Urshan was was incredible. I was one of the very few students that got to experience the old campus and the new campus. So, you know, we see the posts on Facebook of all the kids that have air conditioner now. You know, that was not our Urshan story. Um, it did feel like that Arizona heat. Um, on that fourth floor that that boy's dorm <laughs> in the middle of summer and I just I knew that I had to stick it out I knew that I had to persevere even though I was horrible in school I had no idea what the teachers were talking about I had no idea how to write a paper I knew that I had to stick it out that it was that God was forming me and, and molding me in a way that I'd be able to help others so I tried to stick it out as best I could and about my third year, I met my wife. I met Allison, and we had just really hit it off. And when I had met her, the when I had met her parents, um, um, her mom was actually battling breast cancer at the time, and they had come to Urshan. I had never met them. And she had, they had come to a live recording and mm -hmm. it was actually the live recording that Sister Payne had asked me to testify. Mm -hmm. So the first time that they ever got to meet me was also a great ministry opportunity for me. So it was just a lot of, a lot of moving pieces going on at the time. Urshan, mm -hmm. Urshan and the mansion. It, it's weird because I tell people I've been heavily institutionalized for over <laughs> eight years, nine years between the mansion and Urson College. Like I'm a man of institution, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's really big being a part of large organizations like that, that have a lot of moving people and they become, they became so much part of my identity. Right. You know, I was, I was the mansion kid. I was, you know, been at Urson for six years, you know? So, <laughs> so they become a lot a, a part of who you are mm -hmm. and, yeah, I do remember that I, I believe it was maybe Missouri District Youth Convention, but there was mm -hmm. time, I do remember that particular time when I heard you give your testimony. And hmm. I mean, I heard it several times before, right. but just something about that one time was just like, <laughs> oh, you know, and just knowing you and, you know, just your lightheartedness and stuff and, you know, your yeah. personality joking and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That, it's you know, overwhelming. that moment, that just moment of just like, wow, you know, the power of God was just so thick in that place of you just telling about what this was like for you. Because, of course, nobody would have ever known had you not told the story yeah. of what God did. I, you talk about aha moments. I mean, I get emotional thinking about it. I mean, just there's a thousand young people sitting in there and I'm the one, you know, being able to pour into them as much as possible. Um, I have a picture that I that I cherish. Um, it's me, brother Nathan Santamiri, and uh, 
uh, Brother Trimble that had passed away recently. Um, it's me, Anthony and Nathan, and it's just us, you know, kind of shoulder and shoulder, arm and arm taking a photo. And I love that photo because, you know, one, because Anthony was such a, you know, such a tremendous person mm-hmm. and we miss him, but it was also, you know, they were just always in my corner, always behind me and really pushed me to do that. And I was, it was, I was not, you know, I had not really spoken a whole lot at that point. But I knew that I knew that that was just to be the beginning of things to come. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 18 years old. I gave my testimony at General Conference mm-hmm. as a mansion kid. Um, I don't know many people that have done that. I say that to say, like, I didn't know anything about Pentecost, anything about, you know, etiquette, anything about tradition, anything about, you know, this is why we do this and that. I just knew that I had a testimony and that God wanted other people to know that if I could do it, um, that they could do it. And that was always the message that I tried to push. Absolutely. And that is such a beautiful testimony. (laughs) And I just wanted to go like going forward as you're talking about the things that you never, you know, you never had imagined that you would have been able to have these opportunities, Mm -hmm. but moving forward, um, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? What does that look like for you and for your ministry? And, And what is some of the things that you desire to do? Oh, wow. My desire would be to evangelize full time, mm-hmm. would be able to full time evangelism. And I know that God's opening those doors and that the, you know, the best is, is yet to come with that. Mm-hmm. I think the most. um, It's I mean, it's difficult ministry, you know, we see our pastors and they, you know, are at the church and they're laboring. We don't see we only see the Sunday side of what our pastors do. Right. I mean, pastors are at the church, they're, you know, at the hospital, they're meeting with this person and praying with that person and on the phone with this person and 11 o'clock talking to this person. There's a lot that goes into ministry that we have no idea about. Mm -hmm. And I guess for me, it's just, you know, making sure that I'm prepared for what it is, the sacrifice that ministry is going to be, because it is a sacrifice. It, It takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot out of your family my ultimate goal would be to, to evangelize full-time with the United Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that will happen. I believe also, you know, one day I'll pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really been hit over the head with a rock or thrown to the ground and God told me I'm going to pastor, but mm-hmm. I do feel that God's cultivating us and forming us for that opportunity when it presents itself. But if I had it my way, I would evangelize until, until I take my last breath. <laughs> I just love, you love I just it. love go ahead no I was just gonna say that you um I was gonna talk about your wife really quick and just say that Allison <laughs> has this an amazing voice and uh, what awesome. a great ministry partner that she is with you that God has put that you know that picture together for you in your life <laughs> I tell people they just they just invite me to hear her sing, <laughs> which I'm not mad about, you know. <laughs> and she, you know, she has and a shout out to Allison. You know, she has been on um, the album, several soloists on the album at Urshan College, and so She's you know funny. what a great team that yeah. I mean to evangelize. I mean, and and I know you're just you're just saying as I was kind of we're kind of talking over you, just saying that's something that you love to do. Um, and just being able to kind of travel and what, I mean, other than kind of meeting people, what is the other thing that you love about evangelizing? Yeah. I mean, the, the meeting people, the connecting with people, the people that I would never meet otherwise, 
the phone numbers that I've collected, you know, I'll go to a church and be like, bro, let me get your phone number. I'm like, absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll text and I'm in their fantasy football leagues now. And I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm coming to their weddings and I'm showing up to their kids functions and stuff. You know, I mean, it's just the, it really is nothing other than the people for me. I care and Mm -hmm. love people so much that I just, I just want people to be better than they you know, better today than they were yesterday and better tomorrow than they were today. And then that's my goal. And that's just, that's what I want for them. I just want them to be better people. I want their families to be better. And I want to help be a part of that. I want to help be a part of, you know, cultivating the next generation into, you know, be the change you want to see, right? If, you know, I've, a lot of ministry has been me filing away stuff. You know, it's like, oh, well, I I didn't really like how that made me feel. I'm going to try not to make someone else feel that way. Mm-hmm. or you know I didn't really you know I didn't really you know I didn't really appreciate that aspect of the service like all right well what can we do going forward to hopefully other people won't feel that way mm-hmm. you know just just being the the change you want to see um being able to pray with people all over the country has been just an incredible feeling knowing that I'm not the only one out there um that's mm-hmm. in the fight that's fighting for you know, I talked about at church today, um, pastor was out of town. So I had the opportunity to preach here in Matthews. I talked about how I just, it seems like I just fight for so much joy. I fight for so much peace and it's not just me. There's people all over the country that are just, they're exhausted in their minds. They're so tired. And if I can just be a little bit of a, of a boost, if I could be just a little bit of a help, that's, that's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. I just want to help. I just want to help as many people as I can while I can, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Preach Jesus and touch Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I wanted to kind of ask also, is there are so many people that are going to be listening to this podcast and some of them may have gone through some of the same situations that you have. Maybe have come from a broken home, have a p- parent that has passed away, you know, by suicide or, or, you know, overdose or just suddenly in somewhere or another. So I wanted to know what encouraging words would you like to say or leave with our podcast listeners who may be going through or have gone through a similar situation or going through a really rough, rough patch in their life right now? Wow. Um, don't quit. Don't give up. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, you get up out of bed, you brush your teeth, you put your clothes on and you just go do it. You know, it's, I know it seems so arbitrary, but you just have to, you have to keep on keeping on every single day. uh, You have a choice, you know, whether or not you're going to give up or whether or not you're going to keep fighting, keep pushing into the presence of God, keep pushing in prayer, keep pushing. It's hard to keep praying when you don't feel like your prayers are getting answered. It's hard to keep going to church when you feel like, I'm still just, like I said, so exhausted in my mind when I feel like I'm just, I'm losing the fight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keep pushing, keep seeking God. And uh, you'll see the promise. God doesn't forget his promises. He doesn't take them back. If he promised that you're going to, you know, that you're going to, that you're going to see your family saved, hold on to that promise. If God promises you that he's going to use you in ministry, hold on to that promise. Don't be impatient. Um, cause it's like, I, you know, before we started, I, I told you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be patient knowing what, seeing the vision of what God has shown me. It's hard to be like, all right, God, well, it's time now, but it may mm-hmm. not be time. It may not be his timing. And that's, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow that, you know, that, that I might still have a few things I need to learn. I might not be the finished version of Lance yet, 
I've got work to do. And that's, that's a tough one. I would, I would encourage them to keep, keep pushing, to keep taking it one step at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. Don't give up. It's going to happen. Amen. And that is a good encouragement because it's just like when you don't see the progress, like you just said, you don't see your prayers answered. Things aren't happening like that you want them to. It is easy. It's easy to give up. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, God doesn't care about me. It's like, no, God cares about you so much that he doesn't want to throw you to the wolves right now. If you were to step into ministry, if you were to step into that role, you'd get eaten alive Mm -hmm. by whether it's the enemy, whether it's other people. God, God wants what's best for you. And maybe this isn't the time, but you just got to keep holding on to that promise. Mm-hmm. So in our closing remarks, I have appreciated spending time with you and I always appreciate connecting with you wherever it is here or there, a small conversation and general conference, but I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate all the things that, you know, you've done at the ministry, but what you and Allison are are doing there in North Carolina, but as we're closing, I just want to ask if there's anything else you want to add, anything else you want to say that you haven't already said in the podcast to our listeners. Wow. Uh, find somebody you can trust, Mm -hmm. find somebody that you could say, Hey, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Uh, really attach yourself to a person that's going to pray with you. That's going to keep you accountable. That's going to call you on your stuff when you're not doing right. When you're not showing up for prayer when you're not showing up for church on Sundays, find somebody that you can grab by the shoulder and say, Hey, I'm struggling. I need help. I need someone to talk to because ultimately, you know, all we have are the people around us, our families, our friends, our church, our church members, the people that we come in contact with every day. Those are, those are the people that we have really do your best to not try to go at it alone because you're you're gonna you're gonna fail so many more times you're gonna fall so much harder and it's gonna be a lot more of a process to get back up when you're doing it by yourself find a support group find a support system find some people and really just hold on to each other we're all in this together Mm -hmm. so you know don't do it alone find somebody you can talk to find a friend yeah, right. bring somebody bring somebody to heaven with you you know that's right absolutely bring somebody to heaven with you and bring don't, somebody to heaven with you don't do it alone well it has been again a pleasure and an honor my friend lance lewis so to all of our listeners on the exchange podcast until next time god bless